beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, etc. He knew he was dealing with a Messiah at that point. But weeks went by, months went by, time goes by, and nothing messianic happens. Where's the kingdom? Where's the takeover? Jesus is, uh, is moving around, ministering, but nothing in the sense of messianic expectation for the kingdom is happening. And John is languishing. I mean, he's in prison. He's headed inevitably for death. This isn't the way he probably thought it was going to go originally, and that's why he had his doubts. We appreciate your listening to Bible Q&A with John MacArthur. For more in-depth teaching from the Gospel of Luke, as well as information on his newest commentary, Luke Volume 2, visit MacArthurCommentaries.com. WTRJ, Orange Park, Jacksonville. WAYL, St. Augustine. WATY, Folkestone, Georgia. Online at ilovethetruth.com. I'm Dot Morris for Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Pakistan's general election reaches its climax today as people go to the polls. On Wednesday, explosions near the offices of two candidates in the province of Baluchistan killed more than two dozen. Greg Kelly with Unknown Nation says neither of the two main parties vying for power seem to have the majority. Please pray the new leaders will have compassion toward minority groups and that this time of transition will open the way for believers to share the gospel. Hostilities in southern Lebanon continue daily. They represent the biggest spike in tension since a 2006 war that pitted Hezbollah and Israel against each other for a month. Co-founder Camille Melki says Heart for Lebanon's Hope on Wheels program began as an outreach to Syrian refugee children living in tent settlements. Please ask the Lord to sustain Heart for Lebanon staff as they introduce kids to the hope of Christ and help them overcome emotional trauma. Learn more at missionnews.org, a service of One Way Ministries. Hello, everyone, and welcome to SWAT Radio here on Friday, September, listen to me, February the 9th. I'm David Gray, and I am pleased to be joined today by my friend and fellow Bostonian, native Bostonian, Tim Hawes. Tim, great to have you here with us. Thank you, David. I'm wicked pleased to be here. <laughs> yeah, when I say that we're both native New Englanders, we may hear the the sound on mass of radios being turned off across the southeast. Two Boston sports fans, but uh, we've been here for a long time. How long have you been in Florida? Twenty six years. Twenty six years. So we're pretty close. Yeah. So do you come in ninety seven? I came here at the very end of nineteen ninety seven, and before that, I'd never lived anywhere five years my entire life. Wow. So wow. we yeah. set down so this, some roots here, and it's done. Yep, this has been home. Well, I know you grew up in uh, kind of central Massachusetts. Was Sudbury? Sudbury, which Sudbury, is, yeah, just west of Boston. Just west yeah. of Boston. Yeah, and uh, I grew up on the North Shore, and Tim and I have uh, had a lot of fun since we got to know each other about talking about, among other things, Boston sports. And uh, But we won't. Uh, Doug, Doug doesn't like us to turn uh, – SWAT radio into sports talk radio, so we'll try not to do that. So, anyway, it's great to have you here. How have you been? I know you're recovering from a uh, uh, a bad ankle sprain. I'm I am recovering. That's the, that's the key word. It's been six weeks, and when they told me at the beginning, hey, you know, expect six to ten weeks, I thought that was baloney. They were spot on. Yeah, but yep. it's it's getting better, and there's clearly a pathway towards full health. Yeah, good. Well, you know. Speaking of being sports fans, we we've heard many times over the years, right? 
how bad high ankle sprains are and you hear about athletes getting them and how long it takes them to come back from them. So this is a high ankle sprain you had, right? It's a, it's a grade two high ankle sprain. I have broken both of my ankles in academic or uh, athletic endeavors yep. in my youth. And this is by far way worse than either one of those. I, well, I haven't sprained my ankle badly for a long time, but I did it as a basketball player, you know, a few times and a bad ankle sprain. I've been told I've never broken my ankle, but I, I know how painful a bad ankle sprain is. And I've been told in some ways it's, it's as bad or worse than breaking your ankle, which is what you just said, essentially. So. And, and I'm at the point now where I just got to push it yep. because I got to get it loosened up. I got to get the tendons loosened up and it wants to tighten up as, as a function of healing. Mm. And that's the one thing you can't let it do. Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing any specific rehab and that kind of stuff? For I, it? I am. I have a bunch of foot exercises that I do that basically involve just keeping your ankle fluid and moving and in moving in forward, backward, up, down, side to side, just to try to try to loosen it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it seems to be working. So the body Good. is an, the body is a miraculous yeah, thing. Sure is. Well, on a more important note, have you made any prop bets on how many times Taylor Swift will be shown at the Super Bowl? I did. I, I, I went over on 5,000. So, you know, I'm, oh I'm looking gosh. forward to the game, but I'm not looking forward to certain elements. Oh, of it. it's brutal. It's brutal. I, I you know, and, and it, there's a little part of me, I, it would be wrong to say I feel bad for them, but it is, it's, you know, she's trying to be at the game. I'm not saying she's shying away from the publicity, but man, it just gets ridiculous. Well, I, I think she has managed to expand her, uh, uh, fan base into the NFL pretty dramatically. Like for example, myself, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm 63 years old. I didn't know what a Swifty was (laughs) until, you know, eight weeks ago. And you know, my daughter and my sister, they're all Taylor Swift. You know, they really enjoy her her uh, artistic talents. I couldn't have picked her out of a lineup. Yeah, right. And right. now I'm seeing her every 15 That's seconds right. on the television. That's right. Well, I think the fact that you know it's in, it's an interesting phenomenon. I don't, and maybe this is just because I am a Patriots fan, but and you can relate to this. Remember when the Patriots first won the Super Bowl and they upset the Rams, and it was 2001, the year of 9/11, and the Patriots won the Super Bowl and they were big underdogs and it was a great story. And Brady was young and, 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 you know, how appropriate that the Patriots would win the Super Bowl, uh, especially in the year of nine 11. And, and right. I can still see Joe Andrusi, whose brothers were New York city firemen running out onto the field in the first game after nine 11 with the American flag. And just, yep. I, I, it gives me chills to think about, um, you too played at halftime of the Patriots Super Bowl, and they played. Um, it's a beautiful day, and they ran all the names if you remember of the nine eleven victims, and it was right. just within five years everybody hated the Patriots, right? Yes, because they started winning. Winning breeds contempt. Yes, and I feel like that's starting to happen a little bit with the Chiefs. Absolutely, absolutely, it's happening with the Chiefs. Yeah, and then you throw in this element of people being sick of the whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing, and and I think it's happening. <laughs> well, it. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking for a good game. Uh, I don't really have a, you know, uh, I, I don't have a favorite. I don't have a preference. Uh, I just love to see a good game. Yeah, 
I think that's unless you're it's one of your teams, right? Most people just it's a big party. A lot of people that don't normally watch football watch, and it, and it becomes you know it's funny. Joe Buck, what you know, well known announcer. Uh, although Fox doesn't have the game, um, I he was making the comment that he felt something bad would happen. There would be a bad storyline prior to the game because the game's in Las Vegas. Now, I did see that some player for, for um, I can't remember if it was for the Chiefs or for the uh, for the uh, 49ers, but somebody got arrested, I think. I did not see yeah. that. So, um, anyway, it's uh, we'll see what happens. I guess as a Patriots fan, fan too. Now, I am... I am kind of a 49er fan because my wife is from the Bay Area. When I lived out there when we were first married, I got to go to some games at Candlestick. Mm-hmm. I was at the game the first time uh, the Bears ever used Refrigerator Perry <laughs> in the backfield. Oh, my. Because the year before, the 49ers had used one of their big offensive linemen against the Bears, and I think it was a little bit of payback. And So I've always liked the 49ers when I'm not rooting for the Patriots. So I, I do have that bias, but I'm also, as a Patriots fan— and the Chiefs are, you know, they're good. Yeah. And and they're threatening that they're coming, kind of getting into that territory that the Patriots occupied for a lot of years in terms of dynasty. And I guess as a Patriots fan, I don't want to see that happen. <laughs> well, I, I guess if I have an affinity towards the 49ers, it has to do with the fact that I've always felt that it is a pretty clean, up, stand-up organization. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Montana's, and the Steve Youngs of the right. world. I mean, these guys, they did it right yep. on and off the field. Right. Yep. And and it seems like in Brock Purdy and some of the other leaders on the team, yep. they're still continuing down that path. And that has, that comes straight from ownership. Right. That comes to do that comes from senior leadership on the team. And I'm not saying Kansas City isn't you know, a, a quality organization with, with quality players, but it's just nice to see San Francisco really making a strong comeback. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I saw a great, uh, I always forget about this player, but, uh, saw, you know, the NFL network does those, uh, a football life series and saw the one on Dwight Clark, who was just such a, and, and a great guy, a great story wound up something near and dear to your heart, right, with ALS. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, exactly. Just a, a great story about how – and he was another guy, like a Brock Purdy, that wasn't drafted high, didn't even think he'd make the team. And uh, and, and the Purdy story is great, being Mr. Irrelevant, last player picked in the draft. And uh, so, yeah, it should be fun. Hopefully it'll be a good game. And uh, I think that's all anybody's looking for at this point. So uh, on another another – Thing happened, and I guess it's already out. We were talking before the before the show started, the program started, that uh, the new season of The Chosen is out and is in uh, theaters. I think the first three episodes are in theaters right now. Have you been? I assume you've been a fan of The Chosen, been watching it, been, been a fan yep. since since day one, and watch every episode the minute <clears throat> it becomes available, yep. and have the app, and just absolutely love the way that it it brings personality hmm. to people who when you're reading the pages of the bible it, it and i realize that the personalities that they create on the show are you know one person's opinion sure. of what that might sure. have been but when you start to think about the apostles as just as people yeah i mean these 
These were fishermen, right? These were a tax collector. These were normal mm. people who obviously did extraordinary things, were enabled through the Holy Spirit to do extraordinary things. Uh, but it's it's just, I, I love the way that Jesus has a sense of humor. Yes. And Jesus Correct. tells jokes and Jesus is, is yeah. real and gentle and he gets angry. Yeah. And <clears throat> right. it makes you, it, it really amplifies the humanity yeah. that the that side of Jesus had. Yeah, absolutely. And and I yeah, somebody has said to me once, Are you gonna tell me that twelve guys with Jesus, thirteen guys traveling around Israel for three years, there weren't some funny moments. Yeah. There weren't some funny things that happened and stories that they would tell. And I mean, think about us if we go out and with four guys or eight guys and two foursomes and play golf one day, right? There's stories from that. So three years, uh, obviously a lot of very serious stuff. But for, I, I agree with you. I, I for me, first of all, we, we you know the the director and the creator Dallas Willard has made clear from the beginning on this program. By the way, Doug's had him on to say this is not this is not a Bible course. This is not supposed to be you know, word for word out of scripture. Although on all the major issues that they've covered from scripture, I think they've been pretty much right on. Yeah. They've been, they've, they've taken a great path. Yeah. But obviously to make a program like this, you've got to fill in some gaps. And to your point, you've got to create some personalities or take some Liberty, if you will, some creative Liberty with what the disciples might've been like, like, like casting Matthew as kind of a guy that's a little bit autistic maybe. ADD, or Yeah, yeah sure. And, you know, but I don't think that takes away anything from the story. I think it adds to it. My, my only complaint is, and this will show you how, how trivial I am, my only complaint is that Peter isn't taller mm. because I always envision Peter being, you know, this big guy. Yeah, that's funny. And in the show, in yeah. the show, the actor is, is, right. is not. That's right. That's but he's right. got a big personality. Yeah, that's right. Well, when you said, you know, it helped for me, I, I agree, and I and I, and I kind of, Compare this also with, because I know you went to Israel with Doug, going to Israel and hearing Doug's teaching and the various sites that we saw in Israel changes the way that you read scripture. No question about it. And, and, and you know, you I used to read it and say, okay, and they went to, Jesus returned to Capernaum, or they went to Bethsaida, or woe to you, Chorazim and Bethsaida. Okay. I didn't really, now having been there, it, it changes just, and you realize how much the culture and how much the geography of Israel was intertwined with Jesus' life yeah. and, and his teaching and everything. So that was a huge influence on me. And now the program, that The Chosen, you know, it just, and you made this point really well, it reminds you that these were real people with real problems. And, and when, when they portray some of these uh, well-known stories to us of like, the woman who'd been bleeding for so long and for she years, touches yeah. Jesus and, and, and the, and the crowds pressing around Jesus and Jairus's daughter and Jesus walking on the water. And my favorite has been when he's in the synagogue back in Nazareth and, um, and they're going to take him out to the cliff. And I remember when we went to Nazareth village, I said, well, look, you see all the cliffs all around here. But the, this, the rabbi says, you know, well, we, you leave us no choice but to enact the law of Moses, and Jesus says, "I am the law of Moses." And now that's not technically in Scripture, but it's scriptural, right? It's based in Scripture. It's true. He is the law. He, he wrote. He he created the law. 
And I just thought that was so powerful. And the scenes where he just kind of walks through the crowd and they can't lay a hand. He on just him. turned so and well walked done. away. Yeah. I mean, that's that that piece of scripture is just never ceases yeah. to astound me. That's right. Well, we're going to take our first break of the day. So if you get a chance to go see The Chosen while it's still in theaters, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, we're going to take our first break. You can give us, and then we're going to come back and continue our discussion of Mark two and into Chapter three. Give us a call at eight four four seven 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 nine two eight if you have a comment or a question, and we'll be right back on SWAT Radio. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomnehl.com. The Florida Georgia Truth Network, on the air in Fernandina Beach at 91.3. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed, for the good Lord has come to seek him. Welcome back, everyone, to SWAT Radio. David Gray and Tim Hawes, glad that you are with us today as we wrap up the week here on SWAT Radio. And always like to tell folks that we are, when we are live, most of the time we are, but occasionally Doug will play a best of SWAT, re, uh, SWAT Radio replay. I, I joke with Doug that I've never heard one of the broadcasts that I've been on be, be a best of SWAT radio, but <laughs> <laughs> usually it's uh and rightly so he has guests every Thursday and usually he'll do a replay of his interviews with various guests. So, uh, but we are live and, and glad you're with us and, and wrapping up uh, the discussion that Brad and Doug have been having this week on um, Mark chapter two verses 23 uh, to the end of the chapter. And then uh, chapter three, uh, verses one to six, and, and uh, for those of you who are new to SWAT Radio or who haven't listened for a while, um, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth, and our radio program uh, was born out of SWAT Bible studies that Doug McCary uh, has done in the Ponte Vedra, Jacksonville area for oh the last dozen years or so, and so uh, we generally are going through the same scripture and lessons that that Doug is going over in the Bible study during the week and and then we do those on the go through those on the uh, radio program during the week. And by the way, if you ever uh, want to be aware or get information on where uh, and when SWAT Bible studies take place in the Jacksonville area, you can go to swatradio.com and uh, that has all the information on the four or five, I think it's five different 
studies that happen during the week. It's the same study every week, but it happens at different locations. Um, and you can also listen on SWATradio.com to past broadcasts if you uh, so desire. Uh, James Grimm out in Idaho, our friend, uh, takes care of the website and, and does a great job. So um, anyway, uh, Brad and Doug have been talking this week about this passage in Mark. And and on Fridays, what we tend to do is uh, look at the same text, but approach it a little differently. Uh, uh, this was Brad's idea a while back, but the idea is to maybe model a way that you can study the scriptures uh, for yourself, or particularly if you're discipling someone and you're both reading the same passage and then you're going to get together to talk about it, uh, maybe go by these questions that we look at on Friday for whatever scripture we're looking at. And those questions are, you know, what jumps out at you or stands out from the scripture passage? Um, What does the passage teach us about God? What does it teach us about men, ourselves? Um, and, and then most importantly, I think, how can we be different because we've been in this passage and, and what is the passage uh, instructing us to do? What does it tell us about ourselves? Uh, how can we be different and, and, and serve differently uh, because we've been in this particular passage? So um, as we, we're going to read this, and but before we do, just to remind you before we get into those questions of the three kind of main points that Doug has made about this passage during the week. And when those three points are that God reveals a Messiah who affirms the authority of God's word. And he reveals a Messiah who clarifies the meaning of God's word. And then a Messiah is revealed by God who clarifies the mercy of God's word. And so maybe keep those things in mind and we'll refer back to them a little bit as we go through the passage. But I'm going to read... Uh, Mark 2, uh, 23 to 28, and then Tim will pick up with chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. So let me read um, from Mark. Verse 23, one Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And now I'm going to pick up with chapter 3, Jesus heals a man's hand on the Sabbath. And this scripture can also be found in Matthew 12 uh, and Luke 6. Chapter 3. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill 
Jesus. Mm, thanks, Tim. These are the very words of God, and may God bless the reading of his word. So, Amen. boy, there's a lot there. That's a relatively short passage, but just, you know, to Doug's points, right, we do see how Jesus affirms the authority of God's word, right, over over the traditions that the Pharisees had, had come up with over the years or that the rabbinical class had come up with. Jesus clarifies the meaning of God's word, right? Uh, and we'll talk about that. I thought that was really, Jesus is almost a little sarcastic there with them. And then he clarifies the mercy of God's word, especially in that uh, last part that you read about hailing the, the man's hand. So I'll put you on the spot. What, what, jumped out at you there's probably a lot of things that jumped out at you right from this passage but what what, there is a lot of things that jump out because what we're seeing in both of these two sections of scripture that we just read is how incredibly off track the the jewish leadership had become Mm. the the degree to which their hearts have gone cold to god and are only focused on man-made created works is it just gives you a sense of the fissure that exists between where the Jewish people are being led mm. by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, mm. the Herodians, lots of different disparate groups. But what what we're seeing here in the big picture is where we're really beginning to understand as as these Pharisees continue to, to to make more and more and more of these kinds of accusations, how far away they have gotten from what it was ever God's intention that yeah. the relationship would be with the Jewish people. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and how far away they've gotten from God's intent and God's design and how close they've gotten to their own love of their own positions mm-hmm. right and their own lifestyle and their own power right um well when you when you think about and i know this is off off topic for our scripture today but we when, always go off when, topic. when jesus went in and <laughs> and you know took care of business in the temple and was turning over the 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 money changers and the tables and all that what we see is that the the pharisees and the sadducees and others had had so manipulated what the temple was supposed to be for mm. and they're using it exclusively as a commercial environment right. and it's just it's it's horribly sad mm-hmm. that th- over the course of you know hundreds slash thousands of years they had gotten so far away from god yeah and yeah. and i love it here you said what jumped out at me he answered, have you never read what David did? Mm. He's talking to the most intellectually superior, right. religiously knowledgeable people on the planet. These Pharisees could have could have quoted the Old Testament to Jesus, and he knows that, and he knows, and yet he's saying to them, don't you understand what it is you've read yep. that you're supposed to be using as the foundation of your belief system. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's almost, I think that's almost a, a, a bit of sarcasm there I on Jesus. Think point. I think it's absolutely sarcasm. You know, speaking of the chosen, right. Yeah. And, and they portray that pretty well. Have you not read or, you know, and, and, in um, you know, 
I think I've got the right passage here in Romans 2, starting in verse 17, just real quick. It says, Paul writes, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. But the idea is that they were supposed to be, to your point, the experts in the law. And not only did they not know it all like they should, but they hypocritically accused others of doing the very things that they were doing. Absolutely. Right? And 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 one of the things I wrote about what jumps out at me or what, what and maybe we'll get to this when we get to the next section is, but clearly the, the thing that Jesus seems to hate the most is hypocrisy. That's what he holds against them the most, their pride and, and their hypocrisy. And um, so the fact that they are, like you said, they, they could maybe quote a lot of things in scripture, but they didn't understood what it meant <clears throat> and they accused others and put burden on others, of, you know, for doing things that that they were doing. Mm. You know, I read that and I get, I get caught. That that catches my attention about myself when I read that. You know, about being a hypocrite, and 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 clearly I have been one many times in my life. We all have. <laughs> but I, but I, I hope that what God does in His people in us, right, is. bring us up short about the hypocrisy, right? It's one thing to say, you know, we, we, we agree with uh, God's commandment or God's take on something and say, and I struggle with that, right? And I'm guilty of that a lot. And I think the difference with what these guys were doing is to say, we're not guilty of that. We're above that. We're the Pharisees. But you, commoner... <laughs> You're guilty when, in fact, they were just as guilty. There's the hypocrisy, not at ever admitting that they had a problem with that as well, and they had the same need for a Messiah. So, I, I think that uh, you know. Well, there, there is there is countless examples in the Bible of where the Pharisees are just being outwardly, blatantly hypocritical, and it is interesting to see how that builds through the course of scripture and the severity of that continues to amplify as as Jesus gets further along with his disciples. That's right. That's right. We're going to continue that discussion and continue in this passage when we come back on SWAT Radio after the news. Come on back after the break. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. As the war trudges on, Ukraine's new army chief says his immediate goals include improving the rotation of troops out on the front lines and harnessing the power of new technology. 
Colonel General Alexander Suskaya made the comments on Friday, a day after President Volodymyr Zelensky put him in charge of the battlefield campaign against Russia's invasion. Suskaya, who previously was the commander of Ukraine's ground forces, said that new tasks are on the agenda. Though he provided little detail, his remarks are in line with Zelensky's stated aim of renewal of the armed forces and adopting a fresh approach to the fight. But Ukraine's biggest problems remain manpower shortage and the inadequate supply of Western weapons in its fight against Russia. I'm Charles Dilatesma. Also at SRNews.com, the Supreme Court took up the Colorado case that Donald Trump is ineligible to appear on the state's ballot because of the January 6th Capitol riot. White House correspondent Greg Cluxton with that report. Trump attorney Jonathan Mitchell argued that the 14th Amendment does not apply in this case. A state cannot exclude any candidate for federal office from the ballot on account of Section 3. Section 3 is referred to as the Insurrection Clause, and attorney Jason Murray, representing Colorado voters, focused on the former president's actions. By engaging in insurrection against the Constitution, President Trump disqualified himself from public office. With Colorado's primary scheduled for March 5th, the high court has signaled it will try to act quickly. Greg Clugston, Washington. The National Weather Service confirming the first ever February tornado in the state of Wisconsin. A twister spotted Thursday just south of Madison. There were minor injuries reported. The Dow's losing 71 points, but the Nasdaq ahead 191. This is SRN News. This is Max McLean. What does the Lord command of us? Listen to the Bible from Leviticus 19. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. From Leviticus 19, listen to the Bible. It's great for the soul. Be able to hear the Word of God today and every day. To hear more, go to RadioBible.org. There's major delays because of a multi-vehicle accident on the West Beltway 295 northbound before Commonwealth Avenue blocking the left lane. Also, there's emergency vehicles on I-10 westbound at the ramp to the 295 West Beltway blocking the northbound ramp. Mostly cloudy tonight, low 53. Saturday, partly sunny, high 78. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm A.J. SWAT Radio, everyone. Glad you're with us. David Gray and Tim Hawes as we wrap up the week here on SWAT Radio. And we've been looking this week and, and today talking about Mark uh, chapter 2, verses 23 through chapter 3, verse 6, uh, where Jesus deals again 
uh, on the Sabbath with uh, with uh, the question of of what is lawful and what's not on the Sabbath with the Pharisees, and then uh, goes in chapter three, the beginning of chapter three deals with the same topic but from a little different perspective as he heals a man with a withered hand. And, you know, Tim, we've been talking about kind of what jumped out at us about this passage. And I always love this because it's in so many different, there's so many different accounts of Jesus doing this, that, that Jesus clearly does these things on the Sabbath on purpose. Absolutely. Right. There's no question about it. These, these, you know, of course they're not controversial events to him, but they were to the Pharisees and to the culture. Um, But clearly he's orchestrated these things intentionally uh, to, to make his point, to, to do the kind of teaching that we're seeing here. But I've always loved that he is not afraid to stick his nose in there and, and, and do this on purpose. To the brood of vipers. Is that who, who you're referring That's to? That's right. What, what, mm-hmm. what is so incredible to me about this specific scripture is the degree to which the, the law as delivered by God is by the Pharisees being in, inextricably, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. interwoven with the laws that th- and the traditions they have created as if they're one and the same, right? I mean, when you, when you talk about uh, these laws that they made up, and I'm not going to take credit for this because this is something that, uh, that I saw from some of Doug's notes, but, you know, things you can't do on the Sabbath— 1,999 steps are allowed on the Sabbath. Yep. Nothing could be carried that weighed more than a dried fig. I mean, these these things go so ludicrously outside of what the Sabbath was supposed to be going all the way back to creation, right? right? Sabbath was a day of rest, a That's day right. to reflect on God, a day to be close to God, and I don't think that has a lot to do with whether or not you can carry something that weighs more than a dried fig. Yeah, or, or turn on a, a light switch, or like, there's all kinds of crazy things. And even right here, um, this idea that what, what prompted all this was the disciples were picking heads of grain and rubbing them in their hands to get, I guess, i do not all that familiar with that, but I guess to get the husks the off hu- the husks grain off, right. and get to the grain. And they considered that reaping and threshing. That the rubbing in the hands was threshing, and and now I, I and again from I'll give Doug's notes credit as well on this that that in in, in Exodus right in in the Mosaic law, threshing and reaping for profit was forbidden on the Sabbath, but what they were doing is is eating, and that's <laughs> specifically addressed in a couple of verses in Deuteronomy where it says it's fine if you're hungry to go into your neighbor's vineyard or go into his field and pluck certain things, but you couldn't store them. You could just kind of eat as you go, like takeout. And and, I, <laughs> and, and and the law, as it was given, specifically took into consideration this kind of an event when it called for for farmers to leave the the perimeter right. of their field right. from being harvested so that right. people passing by could do exactly what these guys were yeah. doing. And you think of like Ruth, mm-hmm. right? She was gleaning in the fields and 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 um Boaz told his workers leave some extra stuff for her and 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 the idea also is that that on the Sabbath the needs of life, somebody's life, preserving someone's life, mercy, compassion take precedence 
over any of this other stuff that they had come up with. Um, you know, and that's when, when Jesus brings up the part, I went back in Samuel and read that, the, the passage about David, that they were starving. Yeah. They were really hungry and they needed that food and, and to, to preserve their lives and, and have mercy on them. That by far took precedence over rule keeping and tradition. And, and, and of course, then that leads me into all the scriptures that talk about, I, I, I wrote down a couple of them here, but, um, well, when, when in the Bible, when it says, uh, in Psalms, you know, or in Hosea, it says mercy. I think it's Hosea six, six, um, you know, I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the sacrifices of God and from Isaiah and, and Psalms are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Right. There's a few places where God says, I desire mercy and compassion over ritualistic sacrifice. And, 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 and to your point, the Sabbath was created by God to be a blessing where we could do merciful and compassionate things for others toward God. Well, and when you, when you look at what Jesus answered when asked the question, what's the most important commandment, what he says is love God and love your neighbor. Mm. Right. And that and all the other commandments are contained within that. Right. It doesn't say love God and love your neighbor except ignore your neighbor on the Sabbath. That's right. Right? If your neighbor needs something, if he needs assistance, you know, you can't lift a finger because it's the Sabbath. What what the the whole idea of the law is to demonstrate perfection and love. Mm. And the hearts of the religious uh, the Jewish leaders of the time had just absolutely gone stone cold. Yeah. And yeah. and for years, I wanted to give the Pharisees the benefit of the doubt. I wanted to, set, to, to believe that, hey, this guy Jesus came along and changed everything after 2,000 years, and it's all these people have ever known, and they didn't know any better. Mm. I have completely changed my opinion on that, as a result of some some study that I've done, and I believe unequivocally there is no question whatsoever that the Pharisees knew exactly who Jesus was. Yeah. They knew he was the Messiah, yeah. and they killed him on purpose, mm. out of greed and out of pride and out of desperation. Yeah, yeah, they, that, I, I don't disagree with you. And well, and you think back like when Jesus talks about and says, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets," yeah. right? Not only did they know who Jesus was, and but clearly their forefathers knew who the prophets were. They knew exactly who they were, and they knew that they came from God. And they, but when you don't want to, Doug's taught a lot in this in Mark about the whole idea of the gospel from when Jesus proclaims the gospel early in Mark, and he says the kingdom of God is here. Repent, believe, and follow. That idea of kingdom means we not only the gospel is not just. Jesus died for my sins, and when I believe for Him, I'll, in Him I go to heaven. That's a huge part of it, but it's more. He did all that to forgive us, so that we can then be swept into God's kingdom as subjects in God's kingdom. We can be adopted as God's children. That's right. And the idea is that if you're in His kingdom, then you're moving from self-rule to God's rule, coming under God's rule. Now we still struggle with that, even as believers sometimes, but we belong to Him. And we are under his rule, ultimately. 
to your point about the Pharisees, they were not going to come under the rule of God. No. They were going to remain under their own rule, and this is the result. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, they knew exactly what they were doing. And even, even making comments, although it's not here in this passage, when the man is, is Jesus is going to heal his hand, you know, they said in other passages where similar things occurred, let there's six days where yeah. you can heal. Come back on one of those days to a person who's... Who's been crippled. Who's, exactly. Who's, who's had a disability for, you know, 20 years, 30 years, a lifetime... And and Jesus is just offering pure mercy and love. That's right. That's right. And and yet they want to kill him for that. Yep. And you mentioned about the chosen showing that the, the humanity of Jesus, and you know it, it clearly jumps out here that in the passage you read about the man being healed, that Jesus it says flat out he was angry with them. Yeah, he was angry and grieved um, by their hardness of heart, and it reminded me of. You know, because he asked the question, right? He asked the question, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to harm, to save life or kill? And they won't answer. Because they, to your point, they know the right answer. Yeah, they But know. the right answer doesn't, the actual answer doesn't further their agenda. Right. And it reminded me of the, of the passage when they're demanding a sign from Jesus. Um, and uh, this is in Matthew 21, 25. Would Jesus, they demand a sign, and Jesus questions them about John the Baptist. Yeah. And he says, was was his ministry from God or was it from men? And they they do the same thing. They they don't answer because they say, if we say from God, then he'll say, well, why didn't you believe him? And if we say it's from men, then they'll be in trouble with the crowd because a lot of the people obviously believed that he was from God. But is, isn't that the magic uh, of, and I use that word loosely, but the, the, the beauty of, of Jesus's uh, ability to question these guys because he puts them in positions where as a result right. of the questions that they're asking, they can't win. That's right. And before we came on the air, we were talking about that, that one of the aspects that we don't talk about very much of Jesus being about his personality is he's all the things we always say. He's the son of God. He's the creator. He's the savior. He's the king. He's also the smartest guy that ever lived. And, and here are these Pharisees thinking they're going to, the arrogance, right, of thinking that they're going to trip him up and they're going to test him and capture him and, and trap him, you know. Well, and I, I just love the scriptures where it, it'll say something, I'm paraphrasing, you know, and Jesus knowing what they were thinking. Right, that's right. You know, and they're, they, they, they just don't seem to be able to get their head around no, this. That's right. That's right. Well, we're going to take our last break. Another hour is flying by, but we're going to have one more segment here on SWAT Radio and hope you'll come back and join us as we sign off for the week. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is underwritten in part by The Guardian Group. 
You know Brad Sykes as co-host of SWAT Radio. While Brad is committed to making disciples both on and off the air, his ministry extends into the marketplace as a licensed real estate agent with Keller Williams Southside. Brad and his wife Vicki are real estate agents in Northeast Florida. They are the founding partners of The Guardian Group. They help people buy, sell, and invest in real estate with offices near Butler and Southside Boulevards. 904-580-7255. That's 904-480-7255. And online at guardiangroupjacks.com. That's guardiangroupjacks.com. The Guardian Group. Happy to bring you SWAT Radio on the truth. The Florida-Georgia Truth Network, on the air in Mandarin at 91.7. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice of the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life, there's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost. Welcome back to SWAT Radio, everyone. David Gray and Tim Hawes, glad that you are with us as we come to our last segment here and of the week and of today's program, looking at Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through chapter 3, verse 6. And just to kind of close out, sometimes this happens to Brad and I. We never get past the first question of what, <laughs> what jumps out at you. But uh, there's a lot here. But to close that out, you know, I I actually made this note here. I and and you know, you you've been around sports all your life and and played sports and probably coached your kids and other and others and you know I and I already know the answer to this before I ask you. But you know, thinking about coaching a kids team or a high school team, would you rather have a bunch of kids um, that have all kinds of talent but don't want to listen to you? Or would you rather have a team with less talent, but they're eminently coachable? Give me somebody that's focused and co- coachable Absolutely. every day. Absolutely. And this part here with the Pharisees, Jesus is angry with them. He's angry at the hardness of their heart because they'd rather be, quote, and I'm doing air quotes here on the radio, they'd rather be right and rather keep their power than be willing to be taught and be humble and admit that they're wrong. You know, the irony is, had they been willing to do that, they probably would have remained as influential people in in the church because there was nobody, nobody except for Jesus, who knew the Bible better than these guys. Correct. Nobody. Correct. That's why he says later on, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Now, I think he meant what they think their righteousness is. But but in many ways, they, they did know the law and they did try to keep it. And and we know that guys like Nicodemus, and now we don't know fully. We know he came to Jesus. We know he was interested. We know later on that there were Pharisees that kind of stuck up for him or said, look, we're doing this without due process and things like that. So we don't, obviously there were individual Pharisees that may have believed. Uh, but as a whole, to your point, yeah, but they... They weren't teachable, and I and I just think that speaks to me. Stay malleable, stay teachable. Don't and 
I'm getting into now, what does it teach us about ourselves and about God and how can we be different? But they, they just were not willing to be taught. Well, and if you look at Paul, who was the most, the, the biggest zealot Christian believer, persecutor ever, probably, at least uh, uh, in the Jewish world, he, he had the experience where Jesus came to him and then he turned around and used all of that knowledge for the church's benefit. Yeah, Th- that right. could have been amplified 10,000 times over. Mm-hmm. And yet Paul was this singularity. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that there weren't other Pharisees right. who did similar right. things, but right. uh, the, the, the Bible would have us believe that Paul is an example of of someone who was able to use his knowledge for the benefit of the church. Yep, and right. what, what, a, what a glorious thing that is. Switching gears a little bit, a couple thoughts maybe about, and we've kind of hit on them a little bit already, but what does the passage kind of teach us about about God and about ourselves? Any any thoughts on that? And again, we've already hit on some of these. Well, I think one of the things I think it teaches us about ourselves is, as you said earlier, if, if we kind of put ourselves in, in the Pharisees' shoes, meaning you know, we all know we're, we're, we're hypocrites. We all know we're sinners. We all know we make mistakes, but what, what we're able to do as to believers, hopefully a little more each day through this thing called sanctification is, is to recognize where we're falling short Mm -hmm. and to use that to help us grow in our relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. The Pharisees were trying to use their knowledge to separate, to further separate them from Christ. Yeah, And we know, like Jesus, we were talking about this during the break. Jesus said to the Pharisees, your father is the devil. Yep. Right. And so, you know, when, when, when you don't belong to God, when you're, when, (laughs) when your father is the devil and what does Satan do through behind the scenes through sinful men, right? Our flesh is bad enough, right? <laughs> we we struggle with that. But then you throw in the enemy, you know, if the if he's their father, like Jesus said, he he perverts and twists God's word. And that's what happened from the beginning with Adam and Eve. Did God really say, you yes. won't really die? Yes. You know, he's holding out on you, that kind of a thing. And And, and here's what's happening here, right? Apart from God's, Heart regeneration of us. Men are prideful, rebellious, self-seeking. We talked about this earlier. They want we want self-rule versus coming under the rule of God. And and we want to take what's right and true and good about God's word and twist it and pervert it so that it's not true. And that's what they had done with these traditions and laws. And and they took something, the Sabbath that God intended for the benefit of man and turned it into a burden. Mm. And and I think about, and maybe, you know, you and I are around the same age, same generation. Now, I didn't have a terribly legalistic experience with Sundays growing up, but but there was some of that in my background. Um, my grandparents, I know this is a kind of a, an oxymoron, but my grandparents were Baptist in Everett, Massachusetts, right outside of <laughs> Boston. And, you know, they had a lot of rules about different things. My parents weren't as so much like that. But but there were plenty of days where on Sundays where 
you know, if I was with my grandparents, you kept certain clothes on and you had dinner at a certain time together and it was kind of formal and you went to church at night and, you know, um, and that was mild. I know there are people that experienced a lot more rigidness than that. Do you, did you have any of that in your childhood? Well, I remember when I was young, my brother and I would always race to see who could get into their play clothes faster (laughs) when we got home from church. And I could just not get over the fact that he beat me every single time only to ultimately find out that he wore his play clothes underneath his <laughs> church clothes and he would get home and just whip off his shirt and his love pants it. and he already had on his I shoes. love it. But I love you it. Know, that's that's I guess that's about the quintessential uh, legalistic yeah, approach to going to church. It. How quickly can I get out of these clothes? I love it. I love it. But that that Satan and and men who don't belong to God, I guess the point is is will always twist and pervert. Satan's not stupid. He takes elements of the truth and he and he perverts them so they still sound okay and sometimes what what did satan do when he was testing jesus yeah, right? right he was he was just putting a little bit of twist on the scripture and jesus rebuked him and debunked his yeah. him at every turn showing that the power of the gospel the power of god's word will always defeat satan right. but you got to know what the word is yeah to know how to apply it know what it is to apply it and also so that you can recognize the falsehood and the perversion of the word you know i remember uh, you know years ago and, and you and i were you know part of our upbringing and maybe when we were young adults there was a certain uh, i'll call it denomination maybe you know we, who had ads on tv that, yep. that looked great wholesome families moralistic right but but it's so far from the truth yeah. but it sounds pretty good and if you don't know what scripture says you might believe that and go oh that sounds pretty good you know i'm doing a study i'm teaching a study right now on the history of the christian church and we're very early on in it we're in the middle first and second century and here we are 75 years 100 years maybe after the death of christ and we're already starting to see the church get really off track. Mm-hmm. We're starting yeah. to see Gnosticism yep. become huge in Rome, which is, you know, got enough accurate gospel in there to make people think it's okay, yeah. but really, really wacky stuff. And then you have the Montanists and all sorts of other sects, or you could say, quote unquote, denominations mm-hmm. were starting to pop up. And why is that? It's be, it's because man is when take when taken away from the word and left to his own devices, right. man ultimately goes down the wrong path. That's right. That's right. Yep, exactly right. So in the couple of minutes we have left, last question. It's always the so what, right? How can we be different? How can we be changed because we've we've been in this passage or studied this passage? Any. And I'll let you have the first crack. At I'm going to go back at something I said earlier, and that is just keep in the forefront of your mind as you're thinking through Scripture, as you're thinking through your actions, as you're thinking how, through how, as a believer, you interact with other people. Love the Lord your God with all mm-hmm. your heart and strength mm-hmm. and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. That's, yep. that's what I see being taught here to to put make those your priorities and not— 600 laws the vast majority of which are made up yeah yeah 
Yeah, I had similar notes about specifically about the Sabbath. First of all, you know, am I am I resting? You know, am I focused on God and in and being merciful and compassionate toward others because of the, that's the way God's been with me? Um, and too often it's about okay, yeah, we go to church and I'm always glad to be there and I'm but but then it's like right then moving on right and then it's kind of like any other day and and also you know do I do I have a broken spirit and a contrite heart? You know, am I teachable? I, you know, I said this about the Pharisees, but I've said this about myself over the years. There've been plenty of times where I'd rather be right oh, yeah. than loving and kind and compassionate, you know? And I can think of teaching Sunday school classes and debating people about things and, and really being more worried about winning the argument than and improving my point than I was about really listening to someone else and uh, and taking maybe their background or what they've been through into account. So.